0: Let's turn our attention today on the message because we're going to be looking again at this series called Easter. And I'm going to start today by asking you a question Have you ever considered the fact that being lost can be a good thing? <laughs> I see most heads saying, No, no, I don't think. Uh, most of us probably don't think of being lost as a good thing, but I read an article this week about a hiker who got lost for nine days in the Cascade Mountains. His first reaction to getting lost was obviously he was mad at himself for feeling lost, but eventually that left because he finally got to the point where he let fear set in because he honestly believed that he was going to die. Reaching that point was a sobering reality, but also in the process, it caused him to realize that if he survived, there were some things in his past that he needed to let go of that was holding him back. And he also realized in that moment that there are some things that he had not been doing that he needed to do. And so in that moment, there came this commitment. If I survive, I'm going to take care of these things. Now, thankfully, he survived being lost. And in the end, the experience was a good thing for him because it allowed him to reflect on his life and to change his priority. But being lost and found ended up being a good thing. Now psychologists have suggested that being lost can be a good thing because of this, because it can lead to a deeper learning about yourself, your goals, and your interest. Now they point specifically to a time in our life where many of us felt lost, at least, our experience when we get to college. Many people, when you get out of high school, whether you go to college or you're trying to start a career, there's this place where you're feeling a little bit lost and you say, I don't know where to go. I don't know what direction to turn. I don't know what to do with my life. In fact, for me, I truly remember my college years. It was kind of like that for me. It was like, I I don't know what to do with my life. Where should I go? You know, and for me, I was asking the question, how I'm going to serve God. And I know what it allowed for me to do during that time It it allowed me to really have many conversations with God and say, God, I'm kind of lost, and I need your direction. And for us, listen, when we have that sense of lostness, where it comes from college or whether from a new job or even relationships, and and it puts us in a place where we're wondering, am I in the right place? It gives us all time where we can reflect and search to find answers. And hopefully what you do is eventually turn and understand that there are people that you can turn to, people in your life that you can turn to, But most importantly, that you realize in those moments, there is a God that I can turn to, that I can turn to God in my lostness and understand that he can help me be found. I have no doubt when one comes through these times, the person finds themselves stronger and life is better. Now, some of you may be wondering, well, why am I mentioning this? Well, today, believe it or not, here's my goal. Are you ready? My goal today is to help you get lost. That might seem a little strange, but every one of us need rescued, but some of us fail to realize we are lost. Let's go back to the definition I've been using for this series entitled Easter. It goes like this. It says, Easter, the celebration of God rescuing his creation from the brokenness caused by sin through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus so that people can have their relationship with him restored through faith in order that they might believe. Now, I know this definition is not perfect. In fact, I know I need to refine it. Uh, Over the last couple of weeks, I said, I wish I'd have polished that up a little bit more before I printed it, but I've already printed it, so we're going with it, all right? But here's what we're doing. We look at this definition, and the first week, we looked at the first four words, the celebration of God. And we looked at the fact that God is real, and because he is real, he is worthy of our worship. Last week, we looked at two words, his creation. And we saw how mankind is the pinnacle of God's creation and that all people have sanctity, responsibility, and accountability. Now, this week, we're going to look at rescuing his creation from the brokenness caused by sin. Now, in the portion of the definition that we have here, we have that word rescuing. And what we will begin to see today and most definitely next week is that God has worked to rescue his creation. Hopefully you will ultimately see that God worked to rescue you. When I say rescue, the response of some of you might be, well, I don't need to be rescued or others might just simply say this, rescued from what? Well, we will see specifically today that we all have a need to be rescued because we have become lost and broken because of sin. You see, we ended last week, we saw where mankind is accountable to God. Let's go back and look at what we saw there in Genesis 2, 15 through 18. It said, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now in this verse, we see where mankind was made accountable to God to do the work that he had given him in the garden, but then mankind was also to be accountable for obeying the commands of God. In this case, God simply said, you can eat of any tree in the garden except one, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God even said that, that, that should mankind disobey, that death would surely result. He made it clear that there would be consequences. Now, I noted briefly that the reason this choice was given to mankind was because without a choice, there could be no real relationship with God. I mean, if mankind was not given the choice to obey God or not, then the relationship would be no different than a robot, which I don't think any of us want that kind of relationship with God, right? Do we wanna be God's robot? No, we don't wanna be his robot, all right? We wanna have a genuine relationship, and for that to happen, we need a choice. And so God had made things clear with mankind now what they were to do. Well, how did mankind respond? Well, let's keep reading, and we're gonna find out. In Genesis 3, now verse one. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Now, let's pause for a moment, okay? Let's pause and recognize that this certain serpent mentioned here is actually Satan. We know that because in Revelation 12, 9, we are told that the ancient serpent is called the devil and Satan and that he is the deceiver of the whole world, which this label is so true because what we see him doing here in the garden is deceiving mankind. Here when Satan begins to speak to the woman, he is questioning God, all right, and what God had said, asking if God had actually said, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden. The question was meant to do something. It was meant to place doubt in their heads, but also meant to lead them to misinterpret and to distort what God had said. Notice Satan didn't ask if God said you shouldn't eat from just one tree, but he asked that they shouldn't eat from any tree. Satan seeking to bring confusion and questions to their mind. To look at how the woman responded. She said, The woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. Now, the woman's response at first seems appropriate, right? I mean, she first recognized the blessings of God that He had allowed them to eat of the trees of the garden, but she failed to mention that God said, You could eat of any and freely. She didn't say that, right? In other words, she minimized the provisions of God and failed to properly put God's prohibition in the context of his liberality. She lessened God's blessings while highlighting his limiting. She did go on to clarify with the serpent that it was only one tree that they were forbidden to eat from. However, we must not fail to realize that she didn't mention here the tree by name, but by its location. That may be a small thing, but it it serves to lessen the importance of this tree in God's command. She also misrepresented God's prohibition, as a serpent had done, by adding to what God had said when she said, neither shall you touch it. And God had not said that, and it served to make God's prohibitions more stringent, which by the way, if you haven't noticed something, when we are prohibited from doing something, we are more apt to want to do it. Y'all notice that, right? The more we're prohibited, the more we want to do it. And so when this woman, she made this more stringent, all right, she she was actually, in a way, tempting herself to disobey God. We, We can also see where, in a way, she lessens the consequences of disobedience. Though she acknowledged that consequences was death, she failed to mention that God said, if you disobey, you will surely die. Yeah, I mentioned this to show you how that when Satan begins to work in our lives by placing just little doubt or little questions of God, we become influenced, and if not careful, we begin to go down dangerous paths that can lead to disobedience. I know this because of how Satan responds. Look at verse four now. But the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. See, look what happens here. Here Satan moves now from just placing a little doubt to outright questioning the truth of what God had said. Not only did he question the truth of what God said, he was questioning God's motives as if God somehow wanted to limit mankind's potential. You, You do know that's how Satan works, right? Still, are you aware of that? How many times have you been faced with making a decision and you know what God's word says, but then something comes to your mind that says, that's not really what God said. Or, or maybe that doesn't really apply to me or that's not really what that means. I think you know what I'm talking about, right? The child who convinces himself that it's okay to tell a little why to his parents because it's no big deal, right? Or, or maybe the teenager who thinks having a little promiscuity won't hurt. I'm just having fun. The adult who says cheating on my taxes isn't bad. I mean, the government doesn't deserve my money anyway, Right? Y'all don't. I see the smiles on your face. You know what I'm talking about. At every age, we try to deny what God's word says, and we find reasons why what we we are about to do is okay, even if God's word says it is wrong. Especially in the world that we live today, we see people all the time taking God's word and twisting it to fit their agendas. Have y'all ever seen this? I remember a few years ago, I was listening to a politician speak, and in that, that speech, the politician said, "'And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free.'" What that politician meant was, if you listen to my truth, my truth, I'm saying, will set you tree, free, Right? The problem was, he forgot to realize that that quote has a context, all right? And in that context, Jesus said in John 8, 31, Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, in other words, those words were said in the context of abiding in Jesus's words and being his disciples. Yet the politician used them to try and get people to accept His version of truth. Now, what we want to continue to do in our day and time is question God's word and even have many people look and say, God didn't say that, when yes, he really did. Keep in mind why Satan likes to lie to us and deceive us, all right? You know why he does, right? Because he is God's enemy, and he is defeated, and he is fighting from a place of defeat, and because he is defeated, he wants as many people as possible to join him in his misery. And so the Bible reminds us in John 8:44, 44, he, that being the devil, was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. We are also reminded in 1 Peter 5 eight. your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Hear me when I say this, all right? When Satan lies to you and gets you to question or doubt God's word, you can be assured it is not for your good, all right? He is seeking to destroy you. That is what he was seeking to do with Adam and Eve, and unfortunately, they fell for his lies. Let's keep reading in Genesis 3, now verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Here we see Adam and Eve listened to Satan's lies, failed to be obedient to God, and immediately began to suffer the consequences. Now, we'll talk more about consequences, but immediately we can see that innocence dies. For in the moment they ate, they recognized their nakedness and began to try and to hide it. This is probably, folks, a pretty good image for what happens to us. Anytime we fail God, there is an innocence that is taken and we begin to try and to hide our shame. You know what, folks? I I get so discouraged in the church when people fail. And here's why I get discouraged many times. Not the fact that they fail. I I get discouraged when they fail. And instead of turning to God to find healing, that here's what they often do. They often run from the church as if somehow they can run from their failure. Folks, that is the wrong option. Okay, that is the wrong option, all right? We don't need to be running from God, all right? We need to be running to God, all right? You understand what I'm saying? But that happens all the time, all right? Now, if we continue to read on here in Genesis 3, we can see where everything was affected because of mankind's sin. Childbirth became painful, and the women say, oh me, right? The ground began to produce thorns, making work more difficult, and we all say, I just wish work wasn't so hard, Right? Physical death came to man because now, at some point, they would return to the ground from which they were made. The whole world was truly affected because of mankind's failure to obey God and instead listen to the lies of Satan. Now, if you wonder, is this a big deal to us today? You might look and say, well, Brother Scott, that's Genesis, right? That was written thousands of years ago, right? That doesn't apply to me, but here's what I want us to do now. I want us to turn to the book of Romans. You know, we looked at Romans 1 two weeks ago, but we need to go back this morning. Because look at these verses again, they're in Romans 1: eight, verses, verses 18, and we're going to read a little bit further, but look what it says, "For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness, suppress the what? Truth. truth. Here we see even mankind's issue again. It is the suppression of truth, holding back the truth, failing to accept what they know. Remember what we read next in verse 19. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made so they are without excuse. In other words, though it should be clear to all that God is real and much can be known about him just by looking at creation, people suppress the truth. They refuse to accept what is plain. Now, let's move on to verse 21. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Let's pause. These verses remind us the real problem. So many people know God, but they fail to live for him as they know they should. Like, Like mankind did in the garden, we have this tendency to think we know more than God and therefore do our own thing, and in the process, begin to worship things other than God. I mean, folks, listen, we worship the image of past presidents, right, because we put them on our money, and we think money buys our happiness. What are we really worshiping? We're worshiping those images of those past presidents, right? Nobody wants to shake their head this way, but it's true. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and tell you. All right. well, some people even go as far as making idols rather than worshiping God. But thinking we have evolved or gained special knowledge, many people actually turn away from God and His truth to which God says people are without excuse. And what I want you to see, though, is the greatest danger in this. As we keep reading in Romans 1, we will see where turning from God is very dangerous. All right, look at verse 24. Therefore... Okay. And the therefore, is therefore, because people failed to honor God all right, and to turn to other things, here's what happened. God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurities, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than to the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Now, I hope you hear clearly what this says. If people... All right. If you turn from God in his truth, God will at some point give you over to yourself. He will stop protecting you and he will let you have your way with your life. Now, you tell me, is that a good thing? Thank you for saying no, because it's not a good thing for me to be in control of my own life. All right. If some of you say this morning, well, absolutely. I want to be in control of my life. I want to do whatever I want. Some of you are going to say that. I'm going to have to tell you, all right? It's not a good thing. I want you to realize that life without restrictions or guidance is a dangerous thing. Every one of us, if left to our own self, hear me, we make poor choices. God even made this observation as recorded in Genesis 8, 21, when God said, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. See, we don't like to admit it, but every one of us struggles with doing the wrong thing from birth and left to our own self, we will do the wrong thing. In fact, I believe we all recognize the importance of boundaries and restrictions that keep us from doing what we want. Do we not? Do y'all recognize that value? In fact, let me illustrate it this way. How many of y'all this morning want to drive on roads without restrictions? I'm looking for any teenager that raises your hand because if you are, I wanna know when you're on the road because I'm staying off, right? But, but here's what we know today, all right? Let me ask you, how many of you wanna drive on roads where there's no speed limits, where there's no stop signs, there's no traffic lights, there's no zones designated school zones, there's no zones designated passing or not, there's no designation of you drive on which side of the road, no restrictions of guidance of any kind? How many of y'all wanna drive on a road like that? They call that bumper cars and you can get hurt in bumper cars. I've been there and done that. It hurts sometimes, right? We we don't want that. We all recognize we need guidance. We need restrictions so that there is order instead of chaos and so that our lives are protected. In fact, you understand this so much that you even appreciate those who help enforce the guidelines and restrictions, right? Right right? As much as some of you might get annoyed occasionally with the law enforcement officer, especially when you see the blue light flashing in your mirror, right? You still appreciate them and want to say thank you for what you do, right? Because you're keeping order and you understand the importance. In a more important and necessary way, let me say this. God has given us guidelines and restrictions in our lives, and we are blessed when we obey his truths and live within his wills. His will, excuse me. If we don't, life gets messy when God takes his hands off. Life becomes chaotic when God says, I'll just give you over to yourself. I'm just gonna give people over to their lust. When that happens, folks, life becomes chaotic. In fact, let's keep reading. Verse 26. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchange natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. Let me ask you this question. Does that sound like our day and time? All right. Everywhere we look at our world today, we see areas where we have turned our backs on God and have failed to live by His truth, and God has let us have our way to our own personal detriment. And before some of you say, well, Preacher, that doesn't describe me. Let's read a little further. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, I'm just looking, see anybody smiling or, or frowning. Uh, slanders, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, and ruthless. Now everyone who was pointing fingers at certain people just a moment ago should now realize that the finger should have been pointing at you right? Because at times we have been the one that have failed to acknowledge God. We've often looked at certain things people do as worse than others in the sight of God. When God says, you're a gossiper, that's just as bad as what others have done. You full of envy, well, that makes a list. Let's go on down the line, all right? And we can all find ourselves somewhere in this list. We all have to say, ouch, after reading these verses because we realize at times we have changed the truth of God for a lie. And just so you understand how relevant God's word is to our current day, let me finish reading this section by reading verse 32. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. No doubt in our society today, because we often celebrate people who are many of the different things described below, we, we, we fit into this category because today sometimes we even throw people in that list parades, right? I hope you hear the truth of God's word and let it convict you if you fit into the category of denying his truth and following his will. Now, honestly, when many people are confronted with their failure to do what God has said, realizing they've lost their way, they do the same thing Adam and Eve did. They want to make excuses and pass the blame to someone else. Let's look back quickly at Genesis 3. When God confronts Adam and Eve with what they had done, this is how the encounter goes, beginning in verse 9. But when the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said... The woman who you gave to me, she gave me fruit to eat and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. When God spoke to Adam, he blamed it on Eve. How dare a husband blame something on his wife, right? All, all the women are punking their husbands. You shouldn't do that, right? Then when God said to Eve, all right, went to Eve, Eve, she blamed it on the serpents. Here's what neither did. Neither took responsibility for their own action. What each failed to realize is that they were lost and needed to be found. They failed to see they were broken and needed to be rescued. Can I ask you this morning do you recognize today your need to be rescued? Do you recognize that that is you? When I share a sermon like this, here's what I know. This can be a little depressing. Let me go ahead and tell you. There's nothing exciting about me personally sharing this message, but it's God's word, so I have to share it, right? Because we share this, it can be depressing because no one wants to look at the fact that you've messed up, no one. No one wants to look at their life and say, I've lost my way and I need to be found. No one wants to look and say, I knew God's truth, but I chose my own way. However, this is what we must do. We must recognize our condition if we are going to be found. Otherwise, we just continue to wander further and further off the right path. And wandering too far off the right path has deadly consequences. The best thing anyone can do is recognize as quickly as possible that you are lost and seek to find your way back to the right path. Make your way back to God who loves you. Now, we're gonna talk more about being found and how we get back to God next week, all right? So I hope you come back because n- next week will be the one that's more exciting than this week, all right? But for today, let's consider something. Let's consider Romans 3, verses 23 and 24. All right, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Look at this. And are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption That is in Christ Jesus. See, for today, let's acknowledge that all have sinned and failed to obey God. Let's this morning, let's put aside all excuse. Let's not blame our failures on others. Let's just confess that we have a need. That we have a need to be rescued from our brokenness caused by sin. If we do that, we will be ready to accept God's answer, His grace through faith in Jesus Christ. That is his answer. We will look at this, like I said, in depth next week, but look at this. The Scripture teaches us that God is the one who acted to rescue us. He is the one who acted to find us who had become lost. He acted by sending Jesus to die for the sins that we had committed, and God offers to us the gift of grace, the gift that says that if you place your faith in Jesus, and accept his death as the payment for your sin, then you can be forgiven, you can be rescued, you can be found. Yeah, we all be saying hallelujah to that, right? Maybe this morning's message has been a little sobering for you because you recognize the truth that you're either now or in the past, listened to the lies of Satan and failed to honor God, and, and, and you've been and failed to be obedient to him. If that is you, know that you are in the same boat with everyone else here this morning, me included. How I wish I could stand before you and say, I've always listened to God. I I wish I could tell you today that I've never listened to Satan lies. But if I did that, I would be lying right here. All right? I've been there too. We all have been. But if you recognize yourself in this truth today, all right, what we have seen, I I don't want you to end depressed. I don't, want you, I don't want you to end to the place where say, man, I'm so discouraged. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to be aware of what I've said, all right? But I also want you to understand what I said at the beginning of this message today, where, listen, being lost can be a good thing. Because if you're to the place this morning where you realize I am lost, you realize today you need to be found. And if you realize today that you need to be found then you can know today there's a God who loves you and cares for you and you can be found through faith in Jesus Christ. And if you'll turn to him today, this God who rescues, again, that we're gonna hear more about next week. If you'll come this morning and you just come before God and if you'll confess your sin to God and accept Jesus as your savior today, you can be rescued. Stevie will tell you, you can do it right here at the altar, right, Stevie? Hey, huh? (laughs) You're gonna help them, Right? You can do it right here this morning. You can come and kneel at this altar. And if you come here confused and you wonder where am I at with the Lord, but you know you're lost, today you can settle the issue when you come and you lay those sins before the Lord and say, God, I confess my sin to you. I know that I am lost. I know that I need Jesus to find me. And if you'll come today and confess that you believe that Jesus came to this earth, he lived a sinless life. He offered that life up on a cross to pay for your sin and for my sin. Then he was buried in a borrowed tomb but three days later, he rose from that tomb to prove who he was and to prove that he could forgive sin. If you'll place your faith in that Jesus Christ, you those things and ask God to forgive you and ask God to save you, I'm telling you today, you can be found. All right, You can be forgiven of your sins and you can be given eternal life. That's gonna be available this morning. There are also some here this morning that you already know Jesus as your Savior, But you have recently fell for one of Satan's lies. Let me give you good news. There's fresh grace for you today as well. Because the Bible teaches even we who are believers that if we come and we confess our sin to God, he will forgive us, all right? He will restore us, all right, to our place, all right? And we can be afresh washed with that grace that he wants to pour out on us. And so maybe today you need to come and just experience that grace afresh this morning as one of his children. See, we're going to have this time of invitation, and I don't know where you are. Some of you are lost this morning and need to be found. God's ready to come and find you this morning if you'll just come to this altar by faith. He is ready to receive you. If you're here today and as a believer, you feel like I've just gotten off the wrong path, He's ready this morning to forgive you and get you back on that path that you know the one you walked at one time where you knew the joy of walking with the Lord, you knew what it was like. He's ready for you to come back if you'll just come and confess that this morning. So I don't know your need, but the altar is going to be here. This invitation is for whatever your need is this morning. So let's bow together as we pray. And let's get ready this morning to respond to God's call. Our fathers, we come to you this morning and bow into your presence. We know that as time as we look into your word, there's, there's times that it gives us a sober reality that honestly, Lord, we don't want to face. God, I'll confess to you this morning that I don't like to be told that, that I failed. I don't like to be told that I have a tendency to wander down the wrong path. But Father, at the same time, I'm thankful that you're a God that's honest enough with me so that I can know those things. And so, Lord, that I can be found, that I can be rescued, and that I can be put back on the right path by you. So I'm thankful for both of those things, Lord, the reminder, but also thankful for the hope. And this morning, as we come to this time of invitation, I pray that if there's anyone here today that's lost and need rescue, that today they would come and be found by you by placing their faith in Jesus. God, speak in this moment, pour your spirit out, move in lives, because God, I know this preacher can't save a single person, but Father, I know that you can save all who will cry out to you. And so this morning, if there's one, I pray you'll draw them. And they might come and give their life to you. And if there's others here today, Lord, who already know you, but God, they've strayed, I pray again, even in this moment, they'd be convicted and they would come and they would make it right before you this morning at this altar. But Father, let your spirit just move in a mighty and a powerful way today because I'm so thankful, Father, when I got myself lost, you came and found me. So we love you and we praise you this morning. Move, I pray, in these moments. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.